0: Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God, our Father, and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. I don't know if it's come about in the last decade or so, but the phrase bucket list has taken on a whole new term. Um, It's something that, as you began to hear it more commonly, and I don't don't know if it's something that people used to talk about, but I don't ever remember hearing the phrase growing up. But now, more and more commonly, you hear people talk about their bucket list. And there's something almost eerie, weird, or strange when you hear a 10-year-old say, Well, yeah, it's on my bucket list. And you try to sit there and think, well, how long of a list do you have and what are you hoping to accomplish it by? But as you talk about a bucket list, it's also replaced different phrases as you look at different activities and different things. For, For example, instead of describing something as a trip of a lifetime, it's now described as, yeah, that definitely is a bucket list item. And we begin to look at things in a different context. And the the way the phrase began to come about, uh, wherever it was used, and I don't know if it was first in a movie or as more people grabbed a hold of it, uh, but the idea that before you depart this world, before you pass away, those things that you want to accomplish, those things that you want to do, the things that you want to experience, the places that you want to have been, the feelings that you have wanted to have gotten from something, become bucket list items. For example, friends have them where they want to visit every major league ballpark. There's also one couple you might have heard, um, and this one makes me genuinely laugh and is intriguing to me. They wanted to visit every single Cracker Barrel in the United States. I mean, it's good food, so why not, right? Um, And so... You have your, your bucket list items. Some people wanted to be able to try out for a musical. Um, even though they might not have the skill set to do it, they were going to try it and to do it. And So you have things like that as challenges. Some, uh, it involves travel, going someplace. Others, it's climbing Mount Everest. You know? And So you have these bucket list items. Some of them are just simpler, too. Um, You know, being able to uh, live life in a certain way, to be able to pay off debt, to be able to earn your first house, to be able to buy the sports car that you had um, in your youth, but then sold because you needed to have a whole family in the vehicle, but eventually you would like it to get back, right? It's a bucket list item. And as we talk about that, you and I as human beings begin to be intrigued and captivated by that which we have not done, that which we have not experienced. And and sometimes it can border jealousy or maybe it can be something that you esteem to be as you've seen somebody else accomplish it. Um, Or you saw a grandparent have that experience and you want to have the same. So it comes about, it's a whole range of emotions as to why something might make it onto your bucket list. It can even be one of those things, if they can do it, I can do it. Or who are they to do it that I shouldn't be able to do it? And so... We begin to try to figure out as human beings what we want to experience, what we want to accomplish in life. And so often what that looks like is beyond the normal nine-to-five job, beyond the normal day-to-day grind, whatever that might be. And so you and I begin to think of things that we want to put on our bucket list. And there's nothing wrong with that, but the thought I want you to think about today is as we begin to look at what we hope to accomplish, as we begin to look at something that we want to achieve, as we set goals, as we look for something lofty, as we want some sort of experience. In the middle of everything that we do day in and day out, or that we hope to accomplish, or we put on that bucket list, who is Christ in the middle of it all? Who is Christ throughout all of it? Who is Christ despite it being accomplished or unaccomplished? And so, as David writes in the psalm today, as he begins to talk there, and as he goes through it, it's it's a short psalm. But the conversation that he's having in Psalm 138, as David talks, he says, I give you thanks, O Lord, with my whole heart. Before the gods I sing your praise. Now, I want to make sure that you understand that David isn't saying that he has other gods. But he's saying of all the nations around them that serve other ones, of all the options, he's saying in the presence of every other nation who worships somebody else, I'm giving you praise and thanks. In the middle of everything else going on, as the king of Israel, as the one who sits on the throne, rather than making a name for myself in the middle of it all, I'm giving you thanks and praise. Is that where you start when you set a goal? Is to look and be thankful and praiseful of what God has already accomplished? It's been a challenge as we've even sat down and begin to get the kids ready to get back into school. It's coming. You know that, right? All the kids, they're going to look at me with sad faces. All the parents smile, right? That school's coming around the corner, and as we prepare them to go back to school, as we get them ready to go back to school, talking to them about what they want to accomplish this year, who they want to be, the friends they're going to have, the type of friend they're going to be, what they're hoping to accomplish. As a parent, you begin to talk to them. If you look at everybody else around, and regardless of how others are going to act, who are you going to be as adults we might not have somebody have that conversation with us as often as adults usually it's the internal dialogue going on as we go into work as we wake up in the morning as we talk with our spouse as we go about our day-to-day living as we go to the grocery store as we stop at the bank as we go and pick up different things as we stop for a cup of coffee who are you going to be how do you interact with people who do they know you to be And then as you think of your life experiences, how do you communicate them to the people around you? Is it everything that you've accomplished? Is it everything that you've done? Is it everything that you haven't been afforded the opportunity to? Is it everything you're missing out on? Is it everything that is somebody else's fault because you were never allowed to be able to? Which one is it? Do you look at everything that you have as a gift and blessing from God? And now I want you to think about the person writing this psalm. David. The most perfectly imperfect person you've ever met. Who comes to us with a level of innocence. As God calls him to be king. A lowly shepherd boy. Just naive enough to go and fight a giant. Just humble enough to follow what God has commanded him to do. And just human enough to get too big for his britches once he becomes king. Just human enough that in his nature, that he is sinful, that he thinks he can do a better job than which God has asked him to do. Just human enough that in his sinful self, that he's not going to get it right. Right. Just repentant enough to know that when he's done wrong, the one who can forgive him. Just repentant enough to know that the one who can actually forgive him his sins. Just willing to follow God enough to know that the Holy Spirit is working in him and that relationship with him and God needs to be right and that God is the one who sets it right, but his heart heart needs to be set right as well. And so in our psalm today... David begins to write praises of what God has accomplished in his life. And they're simple, and he paints them so well. It says, I bow down towards your holy temple and give thanks to your name for your steadfast love and your faithfulness. For you have exalted above all things your name and your word. On the day I called, you answered me. My strength of soul, you increased. All the kings of the earth shall give you thanks, O Lord. For you have heard the words of your mouth, and they shall sing of the ways of the Lord. For the great is the glory of the Lord. For for though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. You stretch out your hand against the wrath of my enemies. You have your right hand deliver me, delivers me. The Lord will fulfill his purpose for me. Your steadfast love, O Lord, endures forever. Do not forsake the work of your hands. When you're king, what do you put on your bucket list? When all the world is at your doorstep, what do you put on your bucket list? And the thing that David chooses to praise God for the thing that David chooses to give him worship and adoration for is his steadfast love. Consistent, constant, unwavering, greater than any other, whole, complete, steadfast love. It's hard to even put the word of Hebrew into the word steadfast. It's hard to make sense of it. When you begin to think of steadfast and you look at it and you think of it, it's something that doesn't change. You and I can't even fathom what the word steadfast, what the love of God looks like as we begin to put it in here. Because you and I as human beings, the love that we've experienced from other human beings doesn't always come out perfectly. And some of it's good, some of it's wholesome, some of it lasts a lifetime. But even in there, there's glimpses where we've questioned somebody who loves us dearly, their love for us. Even in there, when somebody's loved us unconditionally, we've had moments and glimpses where we've wondered because of our sinful self and their sinful self, if it truly was what it was. So as you and I look at God, we wonder about his steadfast love. But look at David, the king who had the entire kingdom laid at his doorstep. And the thing that he chooses to praise God for, the thing that he chooses to give him thanks for, of all the accomplishments that were his and all the accomplishments that God gave him, he chooses to thank him for the steadfast love. Because in the middle of everything that David's been through, of everything that he accomplished on his own and that God accomplished for him, of everything that he failed at and came up short, of every sin that he had, of everything that you've read in the Bible about David's shortcomings, and there's a list of them, Of the drama that was his life that could be put into a reality TV show. Of the one who knew that in his life as king, that when he sent somebody to do something, they did it. When he said it, it was done. When he beckoned them, they came. In the middle of all of that, of a person who needs the forgiveness so that they might have eternal life, he gives thanks for steadfast love. In the middle of his sinful self, of everything that he's accomplishing, of a kingdom that's doing well, he gives thanks for steadfast love. Had an opportunity to sit down with a delightful person over the age of 90. And when you're over 90, your view on the world changes. About what matters. Your view of the world changes as to what you would have on your bucket list. Your view of time and time spent with people changes. Your view of what is important in the 24 hours of the day that you have changes. And I would say that all of us sitting here gathered in worship today, each year I would say as you gain a few more years of life, your view changes as to what's important. What is it that's important? What is it that you need to be consistent? What is it that allows you to approach everything else in life? And even though everything you approach in life may fluctuate and change, and even though you may not be able to manipulate it, control it, you might only be able to participate in it and observe it, what in your life is unchangeable and unmovable? The steadfast love of God through his son, Jesus Christ. That's why David writes these psalms. Whatever his bucket list might be, what he wanted people to know is what he wrote down. What people saw was one thing, but what he wanted them to remember, he wrote down. He didn't want them to remember who he was, but wanted people to remember in the middle of who he was, who God always is. In the middle of what he did, what God always accomplished. In the middle of his shortcomings, who God consistently continued to be. In the middle of his own faults, in the middle of his sinfulness, how God continued to connect to him, to reach to him, and never left him and never forsook him. So which is it that you talk about? The bucket list that you have? The things that you hope to do and to accomplish? Or is it what Christ has done and continues to do for you every single day? The thing that is for sure and certain. His steadfast love. As we gather this day in the name of Jesus, as we come and partake in his very body and blood, may you know the love of a heavenly father that has sent to you his one and only son. And who his one and only son gave his life for you. That he paid a ransom for you. That you might have the gift of eternal life. And God just puts that right in your bucket. It's yours. Freely given. May you know the joy of that gift this day and always. Amen.